Good morning, everybody, and happy Mother's Day to everyone here. Being a woman is an amazing and an incredible gift. And so, ladies, we just hope that you feel so loved today um, and just so, so seen and so valued because we wouldn't be here without y'all. So, so grateful for you. Um, men, don't worry. You've got a day coming up to next month. And so we got you covered in June. You know, my son, I have a nine-year-old little boy, and he goes, um, there's Mother's Day and there's Father's Day. When is Kids Day? And all the parents say? Every, what were we working? Can you hit it for me in the back, please? Every day is Kids Day. How many of you have ever been asked that before? When is it Kids Day? Never. No, I'm just kidding. That's not nice. Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Pastor Lindsay, and I just have the absolute honor and privilege to pastor this amazing church alongside my wonderful husband, Jeremy. And as you heard Rebecca say in Avenue Life this morning, if you are with us for the first time, what an honor it is to have you here. Come on, can we give them another round of applause? We hope you feel welcomed and right at home here at Avenue Church. You know, I got to say, motherhood is so much more than just birthing a child. It's more than just a physical happening. See, I have known some expert moms that have never had a child of their own or have ever raised kids, but they're experts. They really are. And I don't think motherhood can simply be defined by a physical act or whether or not you care for or have cared for little people. See, a mother is someone who nurtures, right? Another, a mother is someone who sees you, who values you. Anybody can throw a meal at you. Anybody can make a bed for you. But a mother makes a place for you. She sees the deepest, truest per, or person of who you are, and she helps believe that you can get there. She speaks to that as if you're already there, as if you've already arrived. See, the mom is the coach. She's the cheerleader. She's the trainer, right? She's got the whistle, the clipboard, the foam finger that says number one. She's all of it. And your driver, hello, to get you there. See, I wore the mantle of mom before I ever became a mom to Levi. I've been a mom for several, several years to a lot of young people um, in our city. Yes, I heard one of them. I love you too. <laughs> but I say that because we cannot put motherhood into a box. Because for me personally, my body has not allowed me to bring about into the world the children that I have the capacity within me to love. And so if you ever feel that there is a great capacity for motherhood in you, but for one reason or another, maybe the timing's not right or the scenario's right, or maybe you're like me where this is just not doing what you want it to do and it doesn't match the capacity or desire for you for a family, I want you to open up your heart. No, go back one. Open your heart and your mind to creative possibilities around you to use the gift of motherhood that's already inside of you. So open up your eyes, get creative, because that gift is not limited, come on, to physical things. So I'm, it's a gift inside of you, and I'm just grateful for that. And so if you've ever felt limited or you've experienced loss, friends, you're in good company today. So I'm so glad that you're here. You know, there's an account of a woman in the Old Testament. She's a Shunammite woman, and she was unable to conceive a child of her own. And when we meet her in this story in 2 Kings chapter 4, she's already dealt with it. She's moved on. Her and her husband have made a wonderful life for themselves. They are well known in the community. They are living life well until one day when she meets the prophet Elisha. Now, many of us know that when you invite God, right, Elisha was a man of God, so he was a representative of our Heavenly Father. 
But how many of y'all know when you invite God into not only your life, but your heart, he disrupts some things, doesn't he? Life doesn't always look the way that you thought it was going to look. And so this woman gets her life disrupted. Can I get a good amen for God disruptions? See, Elisha wants to bless her because of her goodness to him. She was an incredible host, great hospitality, blessed his socks off. And so he wanted to do something in return. And she said, no, I'm good. I've got it all together. But he did some like deeper digging. And he found out that this woman has never had a child of her own. And so he calls her into this room and she stands at the doorway and he prophesies to her. What does prophecy mean? It means that they're speaking something that's going to happen in the future. And he prophesies and he says this. One more time. Let's go. One more time. One more. There we go. Okay, you know what? Let's do this. He prophesies and says this. Next time, at this time next year, you will be holding a son in your arms. Now, let me share why this is so incredibly important. Because this is a chapter in her life that she has already closed. In her, in her heart and in her mind, she has already shut the door and she's moved on. She is very content with her life. But now here comes a man of God who speaks a word of prophecy to her. It would be as if God himself is speaking. So we know this is going to come to pass and we're waiting on it. So sure enough, next time this year, you will be holding a son in arms. And this is what happens. And I find this fascinating. Have you ever had it when you had a promise come to your life and you see it fully realized? Whether it was written promise in the word of God or it was spoken promise. See, if you have given your life to Jesus, do you know that your life is right now living out the promise of salvation and forgiveness of sins? That is a written promise that you and I have to live by, to glean from, to, to just Im immerse our entire lives in being in. That is a promise. But some of us have received spoken promises. Whether God used somebody like he used Elisha and this woman who has spoken something to you. And then it's an incredible thing when it actually comes to pass. Has anyone ever had that happen? I have. I remember I have been in ministry for 17 years, right? I started pretty young in full-time ministry. And we had this military veteran who was the head usher at our church. And I was growing up in a wonderful church and serving at a wonderful church in my first years of ministry. And I worked alongside this man named Ed. And I remember one time he came up to me. He goes, whew, Pastor Lindsay, do you know that the Lord speaks to me about you? I said, okay, Ed, that's cool. He goes, no, the Lord talks to me about you. In fact, he told me that one day you're going to have your own church. He goes, whoo, just like that. And he looks around and he says, it's not going to be like this. You're not going to do this. And he was referring to the denomination that my husband and I were associate pastors in. He goes, oh, no, Pastor Lindsay. The Lord told me, you're going to start something. You're going to do something different. Do you believe it, Pastor Lindsay, that the Lord speaks to me? All right? And he's like doing like a little march around the, the lobby. And I'm like, hold on, buddy. People are watching. Like, what are we doing here? But I said, yes, I believe you, Ed. And that was over 10 years ago. We planted Avenue Church four years ago. And I remember when I got to mail a letter to Ed. And in the envelope, I put Avenue Church flyers in it. And I said, you were right, Ed. Pastor Jeremy and I are starting a, a non-denominational Christian church here in Southwest Las Vegas. And so it is an incredible thing. It's an incredible thing when we see the promises of God come alive in our lives. It's amazing. 
You are a promise of God that you're living that out right now in your life. The promise of salvation, again, the forgiveness of sins. And here's the deal. We can be confident that what God has spoken with his mouth, he will deliver with his hand. We can be confident that what God speaks with his mouth, he is going to perform it with his hand. So that day, Elisha had spoken over that woman, by this time next year, you will hold a son in your arms. Like she didn't, he didn't just say a person or a baby. He said, you're going to hold a son. I remember a woman came up to me once in church. She goes, the Lord's going to bless you, Pastor Lindsay. I said, awesome. I'm ready to be blessed. She goes with five sons. I said, that's not a blessing. That's a really big grocery bill. And that did not happen. (laughs) Praise the Lord. But anyways, we can be confident that God's going to do it. And so here's what I love, what Moses said about God's promises. Go back one more. These divine promises, Moses wrote this in the book of Numbers. These divine promises are absolutely trustworthy because the one who gives them is not man that he should lie. And then the apostle Paul writes of Abraham and his promise to have a child. And he says, I am fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Now, can I share something very raw with you this morning that I am convinced, I'm not concerned about God's ability to do these promises. I'm concerned about my ability to get to those promises and through those promises, right? Because promises can be painful. That's the reality, friends. Promises can be painful. That's like, can I get to the finish line? Can I do this with this promise? Am I going to quit just moments before I get there where God was about to just do it in my life? Am I going to throw in the towel? Or if I do get this promise, oh my goodness, am I going to break it or do something to mess it up? Anyone else ever have those concerns when it comes to your own ability to make it to the promise? See, they can be painful. I think of a baby, right? A baby is a wonderful promise. In fact, the Bible tells us that children are a gift from God. These are promises. But think of the the entering of the world of a baby. Is that like tickles and giggles? It is absolutely not tickles and giggles. I remember when it was the day that Levi entered this world almost 10 years ago. And after we got done with the whole thing, I watched my amazing, wonderful husband sit down in a chair that was next to my hospital bed. The nurses had taken Levi to to go get him all well. And my husband, amazing, wonderful, Pastor Jeremy, lets out a deep breath, man, I'm tired. (laughs) And I looked at him like all wives do, right? Sending daggers into his very heart. And I didn't even have to say a word because he goes, I mean, I mean, babe, you're a rock star. I mean, you should be exhausted. Can I get you anything? I'm like, yeah, that's right. I birthed this child. (laughs) But promises are a lot of work. But see, the story doesn't just end where this woman receives this promise. Yes, sure enough, this time next year, she held a son in her arms, but her story doesn't end there. And I believe that we can glean valuable lessons from her story on how to deal with the pain that comes with promises. Because the journey is painful. The waiting can be painful. And come on, the delivery of that promise and living with that promise can be painful. So I want to look at her life and learn some stories. It says, one day when her child was older, he went out to help his father who was working in the harvest with the harvesters. Suddenly he cried out, my head, oh, my head hurts. Now this was harvest time, which means it was very, very hot where they were at. So most likely this young boy is suffering from a sunstroke, which is fatal 
in this time of, of this life. He says, my head hurts, my head hurts. His father said to one of his servants, carry him home to his mother. 2,862 years later. Where's Anna? You get it, because we're dealing with the same thing. Call your mom, right? Call your mom. Get your mother. So 2,862 years ago, there is a little boy who is having sunstroke in the presence of his father and the other workers. And a servant brings him up and takes him to his mother. I'm, I'm kidding about that a little bit, but not really kidding, because I do love being called when there's a time of need, but sometimes y'all can handle it too. Anyway, so the servant took him home, and his mother held him on her lap, but around noontime, he died. It's hard. Like, this, this, this is my promise, right? Like, I didn't ask for this. You, you, I told you I was fine, that I, I didn't need anything in my life, and yet you, man of God, you spoke to me that by this time next year, I would hold a son in my arms. I did not think I'd be holding a dead son in my arms just a few years later. Promises can be painful. And so it continues with this. She carried him up and she laid him on the bed of the man of God. And then she shut the door and left him there. Now let me give you some context. Elisha no longer lived with her. Back in the day when she did not have a child, she had opened her home to Elisha. That is why he wanted to bless her. He had come to that town so many times to do ministry. And she said, you don't have to keep trying to find a place to stay. Because, hello, there were no holiday inns. There were no Marriott's. There was no beautiful Aria suites for this man to stay in. He would be at the mercy of people opening up their homes. So he said, I'm going to take you. She said, I'm going to take you into my house. And she built him a room and all these things. And so this was the room that she had built for Elisha while he had done ministry in her town. But now it's no longer occupied by him. So why would she go? Why would she lay her not breathing, no heart beating son on the bed of the man of God if he is not there? It's heartbreaking, right? It's in these heartbreaking moments that we can learn a very powerful lesson from this woman. And that is we need to, we need to, there we go, return to the place of the promise. See, many times we, we think that because our promise has been signed, sealed, delivered, that it's going to be exempt from things that happen in the world. We think that the blessings or the gifts of God that he puts in our lives have a you-can't-touch-this zone around them because God's blessing is on it. But I think it's so important that we return to the place of the promise. This was the upper room of her home. This was Elisha's place, and so she took her son, her promise, back to the place where it was first spoken over her. It was in that doorway that she heard that word. See, friends, we have to do the exact same thing. When we are stuck in a heartbreaking or overwhelming circumstance and we're thinking, what is going on, God? This is what was spoken over me. This is the word that I have been holding on to. Come on. She had spoken word. We have written word. We can go back and open up our Bibles, our written words of God, of Jesus, of everyone that he inspired to put that down so that you and I can be encouraged to make it through another day. We have to be encouraged to make it through another day. See, there are going to be storms. And sometimes, friends, your ship may leak. I've had a leaky ship before. A ship that I think is going to go down in the storm. And what do I have to go to? I got to go back to the promises to keep me to want to continue sailing through this storm because my promise is still on the other side of it. God is not done with it. 
And so what happens during a storm? We need an anchor, not to weigh us down, but to keep us grounded, to keep us steady. And so an anchor verse in my time when I'm contemplating some things is Romans 8, 28. And we know that God causes everything, even the hardships, the heartaches, the frustrations, the mean, nasty boss, like my God works all things together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Another anchor verse. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything. Not only that we can understand, but anything that we're going through. His peace can exceed anything that I am walking through. His peace reaches it, covers it, goes around it. And it's going to guard my heart and my mind as I live in Christ Jesus. But here's the most beautiful thing that you and I are at a better advantage than the Shunammite woman. And you might be thinking, well, Lindsay, I mean, she had someone speak this amazing word to her. She's living out this prophecy. Like, that's pretty cool. How, I don't know if I could even compare myself to what she's experienced. Yes, you can. Because she had spoken word, right? We have written word. But come on, we also have living word. We have Jesus Christ, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, who has made residence in your heart. He has decided that there was no temple, no place big enough to hold his presence, that he decided to make his home in you. It's incredible that God, in my human state, in my frustrations this morning trying to get two children out of the house to church, still get my makeup done, still get my hair done, I'm preaching, let me stay holy, right? He makes his home in me. Living word. It's incredible. See, why so much scripture, Pastor Lindsay? Why? Because I don't know how we would live without it. How can we live without it? The Bible tells me that faith comes by hearing, not attendance. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by what? The word of God. And so when I go back to the promises and I start reciting them, speaking them, praying them, shouting them, crying them, grabbing them, whatever it has to be. When I start going back to those promises, I'm recalling my faith. Not like a broken part in a car that you get a letter from Mazda from, you know? No, to recall is to remember, but that remembering changes my thoughts and my feelings and my present. So I'm recalling what God has said or spoken in the past that's going to get me to take another step toward my future. So God is good. So she places her dead son's body in the place of that promise. It says, who then? Oh, let's go one more. Sorry, let's keep going. She sent a message to her husband. Send one of the servants and a donkey so that I can carry the man of God, or I can go to the man of God and come back right away. Why today, he asks. Is it neither a new moon festival or a Sabbath? He's saying, there's no religious thing, right? It's not Sunday. Why do you have to see the pastor? Like, you don't have to go there. Because she said, it'll be all right. She did not tell her husband that this little boy had died. I don't recommend that, friends. Can I just tell you, lessons can be learned of what to do and what not to do. I don't recommend you keep something from your spouse of this significance. Okay, you want to go to the store and get him like a cake cake and keep that a secret? That's fine. You have a problem like someone has died? I don't recommend keeping that a secret. Now, theologians believe that she did not want to be bothered by his grief, and she did not want to be stopped on the way to where she was going. 
because she was going to see Elisha. Not only was she going to return to the upper room where she received the word of God, she was going to go hunt this man of God down and say, what did you do to my promise, right? And so this is what happened. She made the conscious decision not to tell him. But this is what we can learn from her of what not to do. Because you have to understand, she's saddling up a donkey. A servant is going to go behind her donkey, just getting it to go at the pace that it needs to go. She's going to travel six hours alone to get to Elisha. This isn't five minutes down the street. It's not a 45-minute drive across town. This is a six-hour journey that she's carrying the weight of her broken promise, her lost promise by herself. And we can learn something about this today. Do not carry pain alone. Do not carry pain alone. The weight of pain is too much, you guys. You don't have to tell everybody, but you got to tell somebody. You don't have to tell everyone. I don't know why we think we have to. But if you can have a small circle or maybe even just one person that you can share that with, we do have to carry pain together. Maybe you've been trained that pain is weakness and so therefore you do not share it. Maybe in the past you have shared your pain with someone, but the person who you shared it with was not responsible with it and they hurt you. And now that has taught you not to share pain Again, I'm sorry for that. I really, really am. But we cannot carry pain alone, and here is why. Because Jesus cares. And so do people. Jesus cares, and so do people. You may have trusted the wrong people before, but it doesn't mean that you have to trust the wrong people again. But Jesus tells us in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, to pour out all of our worries and stress upon him. I love it because... The author's recognizing that we have stress. Stress is a killer. Stress is painful. Stress just isn't in my mind or in my heart. It affects my body. You ever had a knotted neck or a migraine that you can't get rid of? I promise you, nine times out of ten, it's probably stress. And so we're to cast all this upon him and leave it there. For he always tenderly cares for you. If you might be doubting that people care for you, I really encourage you to read the writings in the New Testament, not just Jesus's writings, but read Paul's, read Peter, read James, read John, because they're tenderly telling you how we are supposed to treat one another. Phrases like love one another, carry one another burdens, encourage each other daily, pray for one another. We're in Ephesians, right, in this life coach series, tells us to be patient with one another, to make allowances for one another's faults. See, the Shunammite woman, she was self-sufficient. So self-sufficient. She didn't want or need any help from anybody, and she made this clear in the very beginning. She wouldn't even let Elisha bless her because she was used to doing things on her own. Hear me, I'm all about independence. I'm all about being dunatos. But being solo in all of your endeavors, that's not helping you, and it's not growing other people either. Do you know that if you were to share, share the, the pain and the weight, the weight of your pain, that's going to help somebody else get stronger. It's going to help them get stronger in compassion. It's going to help them get stronger in love. It's going to help them and position them to do the things that God has already called them to do in the Bible. Carry and share the weight. Do not carry pain alone. See, I don't look at the Shunammite woman and think, man, she's awesome. I can tell you I used to. 
In fact, with my 14 years of struggling with infertility, I have talked about this woman a lot. I, I've, I've often compared myself to her that I can do without or I can live without. And a person once came to me after I had just spoken to 2,000 pastors. I just shared about buried dreams and God digging up hope again. And in that message, I said, I'm like this Shunammite woman where we think something is dead, but God's going to bring it back to life. And a pastor was there who happens to be an overseer of our church, which means he has a spiritual accountability for my husband and I and how things are done here at Avenue. And Pastor Travis and his wife, Becky, pulled me aside afterwards. And he goes, I got to tell you something, Lindsay. And I love you. And I love Avenue. He goes, yes, you are that Shunammite woman. He goes, but not because of infertility, not because of buried dreams, but because you're so used to doing things on your own that you don't know how to ask for help. Whew. First of all, I had conference makeup on. I was mad at them. I didn't use waterproof mascara. I was ready. I was just on a stage. Right? I just preached my guts out to the largest audience I had ever spoken to before, to my peers, to my elders. And he drops a truth bomb in the hallway of this conference in California. But he was right. He was so right. And some of you need to hear that today. That we're not going to get kudos in heaven for doing everything on our own. God's not giving us an extra room in our mansion in heaven or actual an extra gem on your crown for doing things solo all the time and oh my gosh look at his muscles look at her muscles look how much stress they have capacity for look how much pain they carry my god they're amazing his heart hurts for you and he would love for you to lean into him and say let me tenderly care for you cast your cares upon me throw that stress baby on me and leave it here and allow me to be the father. Do you know that the Holy Spirit is like a mother? A nurturer, a comforter, an advocate, a person who's made a place for you. You have everything that you need in Jesus Christ to lean into, to absorb, that we don't have to do it on our own. And again, I am so sorry if people have modeled it poorly for you. I have modeled it poorly for you. I took the kudos as a badge of honor and did nothing but build pride in my life that I can do this on my own. I can tell you life is so much sweeter when you carry it with other people. So 2 Kings chapter 430, because what ends up happening is she keeps her mouth shut for six hours. Elisha's servant runs out to her and says, is everything okay? I'm great. It's all right, she tells him. But the moment she gets to Elisha, she and she falls on her knees at his feet and says what we've all been thinking. I did not ask for this promise. I told you, don't you dare get my hopes up. Why would you bring me through this if I'm just going to lose it? Why would you do this to me? And see, I love it in that because Elisha had no idea what she's talking about because the Lord hadn't told her yet. He had to make a decision in his humanness to care about her, not his God command. He didn't even know. So he said, let's get up and let's walk together. Because that's what he did. She said, I'm not going to go anywhere without you. I'm not going home unless you go with me. 
and he walked with her. See, the question is, how do I carry pain with others? How do I do that? How do I do it? Walk with them. Just be by them. You don't have to have a counseling degree. I took a counseling course. I hated it. I'm not even good at it. But I still walk with people. I listen. I bring the tissue. I'm really good at bringing ice cream, right? I'll, I'll get carbs with you and sweets with you, and we'll do calories together. Just be with people. Pray with them. Encourage them. Do what Paul said. Pray daily. Check in. The thing is that you're not transferring their pain onto yourself. We're not sponges. We're not absorbing. We're walking together to give it back to Jesus. Not putting it on me. I'm helping you take a walk to the Father because he's the one who can handle our burdens. It's awesome. It's awesome. So how do we do it? How do we do it here at Avenue? We do it through small groups. We do it through friendships. Let me tell you, I love my small group. We started together this last February, and we're on Zoom. Amazing things can happen in Zoom. Don't hate Zoom. We've got some close friendships on Zoom. And so we're on Zoom, and the first few weeks, they're, they're more substantial, or they're less substantial, excuse me. They're more surfacey, right? We're just kind of feeling each other out, like, okay, whose who's personality? What's your story? But can I tell you that as the weeks have gone on, we're now 12 weeks together. We're bearing our souls to each other. We're, we're, we're sharing our Shunammite woman moments where we're walking through something or we don't know what's going on. And we're leaning into Jesus and we're carrying burdens together because friendships have formed from those small groups. So if you feel disconnected, you feel isolated and alone, that was never God's intention for you and that's not the intention for this body of Christ here at Avenue Church. The intention is that you would have friendships that make you closer to Jesus, right? That walk you closer to him and discover who you are, who God has placed inside of you. And so here's the deal. Sharing the weight of pain, that takes vulnerability. And vulnerability is a scary word. But you will know and you will have a good community to do that with. Being vulnerable is a, a risk, but it's worth it. To be seen, to be valued, to be cared for, these things are priceless. But it's your choice. It's my choice. When that pastor and his wife stood in front of me and said, you live a life where you act like you don't need help. He had no idea that I was walking through an unknown diagnosis at that time. And I hadn't told anybody. I've been going through diagnostics and ultrasounds and testings. And, and I had to make a decision. Was I going to walk through this rest of my testing and the rest of this journey to this diagnosis and surgery by myself? Or was I going to tell people? I told people. And I was scared. What are they going to think of me? How are they, are they going to judge me? Or, or, or if I tell them I need them, will they even show up for me? But they did. They did. And so get involved in people's lives. Let people into your life. I'd like you to stand here today. Our God is so good. And he uses every moment to reach to the need that we have in our lives. It could be a big need, it could be a small need, but he loves us so much that he is willing to do that for us. And so what we're going to do right now is we are going to ask God a couple things. 
We're going to ask, who am I like, Lord? Am I an Elisha-type person in somebody's life right now where I'm going to go help carry some weight and I'm going to lead them to Jesus? Because hear me, guys, this little boy lives. Elisha gets to that home and he prays for that little boy. It didn't work the first time. But he prayed for him again, and that little boy had breath in his lungs again, a beating heart, a warm body, and he placed that promise back in the lap of his mother. So God is going to continue to do what he said he's going to do. Despite the challenges, he will do it. But Elisha carried with her the weight of the pain. And so maybe you're an Elisha in this room, and God has been speaking to you. I need you to be more compassionate. I need you to take on more of a leadership role. The body of Christ needs you. It needs me. Maybe that's that. Or maybe you're like the Shunammite woman where you've been traveling too long by yourself. That's what we need to ask ourselves today. So with every eye closed, every head bowed, out of privacy, if you are in this room today and you are relating more to the Shunammite woman that you carry things on your own too much, And you want to ask God to help you share the weight. Would you please raise your hand? I'd love to know who I'm praying for today. Yes, I see it. Yes, absolutely. I see it. Hands all over the room. Awesome. It's awesome. If you are in here today and you feel like God is telling you, I I called you to be an Elisha and I need you to, to have more compassion and step up to the bat in people's lives. If that is you, would you raise your hand? I'd love to know who I'm praying for. Awesome. Yes. Yes. That's great. Come on, guys hospitals, right? The church, Jesus calls our, our church. He goes, I'm coming for the sick. Well, the sick need doctors too. So we need to know when we got shooting white women's and we need to know when we have Elisha's. We need both. We always need both. We need broken and we need strong. We need healthy. We need sick. We need to be operating because God has not called us to perfection. He's called us to a relationship with him. So father, in Jesus name, Lord, we're bringing this home right now. I thank you so much for what you're doing in this room. And for those, Lord, who responded to you that they need help carrying the weight, I pray that you would speak to them right now in the mighty name of Jesus, that you are there. Lord, you've always been there. And I pray that when they get in those quiet places with you, you are going to tenderly remind them that you've been there all along and that your shoulders, your cross can carry the weight of their world. I thank you for that, Father. I thank you for it. God, give them eyes, Lord God, and discernment and strength and courage to see who to be vulnerable with, who to take the risk on, who to take the chance on. And then I pray for those Elishas in the room. Let them be known. Let them make themselves known in the mighty name of Jesus to speak, to encourage that there are words of life inside of them. And no longer will they shut their mouths, no longer will they shut their schedules, but they are going to be used by the mighty hand of God to lift up, empower, and encourage the body of Christ. We need you, Elishas. Jesus. Father, we love you so much, and we give you this day. So whatever this day felt like for somebody, I pray right now that it be tenderly wrapped with your presence. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen.